Is the button? Are we live? Hit it. Sea she sells seashells by the seashore. Are we live? If what? we're live, I'd like to take I'd like to take a hard stance that people that like cruise ships are stupid. Cruise ships suck. <laughs> and I hate them. We were just talking about that time. Hey, welcome to the show, everyone. Uh we were just talking to Tom Heinerber and I. I'm pulling up your comments now. We're live. It's Monday morning after the Super Bowl. We were just talking about how cruise ships suck. They're terrible. You know, because the Z the supporter tribe on the Z Pack supporter feed where I, we do our live shows just you and me and just for supporters and if you aren't a supporter you suck and need to die but i mean apart from that <laughs> when we when we do those shows they were like you should have a z-dog cruise where we fight pseudoscience and drink a lot and go out to sea and i was like let me see me with like three thousand supporters on a cruise ship like this is a recipe for like some norovirus breakout where the anti-vaxxers are just going to seize on it can i tell you i'm actually down for the z-dog cruise despite what? hating cruising in general tell me why you we should totally do that really? it would be so fun yeah because you could do like keynotes and i could stay out really late and get I, drunk with everybody no wonder <laughs> i'm going to be busy the whole time like talking to people about health 3.0 and tom's like okay man let's do the thing okay let's go live right I'm now like, we're going streaking <laughs> We're going streaking, man, on the upper deck. You know what's you know what's going to happen is you, we're one of some Z Packer is going to be lost at sea because you know that's what's you know that always happens on these cruises. Like yeah, somebody gets super drunk and goes overboard, and we don't find out until we're at port, and then everyone's like, "What happened? Z Dog killed one of his fans." I'm like, "I didn't kill him intentionally. They just died." <laughs> I don't know what happened? Um, it says broadcast interrupted. Logan, is it live? You better triple check. We may have to go live again. Yeah. I think Logan fucked this whole thing up. That's what I think. <laughs> oh, it's playing? Oh, all right. <laughs> well done. Hey, so the you didn't watch the Super Bowl because and but let me tell you, it was it was boring as hell. It was one of the worst Super Bowls in a long time. And we've had pretty good Super Bowls in recent years. I know cuz you don't you don't watch No, them, you so you messaged me after the last Super Bowl and was like, "Z Dog, that was one for the books." And I will say, normally, at least the halftime show is somewhat decent. Mm. Maroon 5 couldn't have sucked any harder. They were horrendous. And then they brought out just random rappers like Travis Scott and Big Boy came out in the middle. Let me guess. It was like, this love is taking its toll. Yo, the toll is being taken. I'm Travis Scott. It had no cohesion. Uh. And at some point, I think Adam Levine, like Adam Levine knows people think he's sexy. Mm. And so he just took off his shirt. He was like, am I saving the show? Yeah. Oh, my God. (laughs) Oh, my God. It was horrendous. Well, so so what saved the Super Bowl? Tell me. You were in the Super Bowl. I was in the Super Bowl, and I didn't even know it. Uh So ZPAC... This is the one of the more odd stories of my life. A few weeks ago, you guys remember I shaved my head with this thing called Skull Shaver. I don't even want to give them free advertising, but I love them. I actually love the product. Yeah. I use it all the time. They're not paying me, right? And so we did a couple shows, paid shows with them back in the day and whatever. It's not, I mean, I'm not a razor salesman. So <clears throat> I'm Z-Dog freaking MD, Tom Heinemer. So this is what happened. They emailed me a little while ago and they're like, our CEO really likes your uh, the video where you shaved your head live on Facebook. Could we use that clip in a commercial we're planning? And I know this company. They're a small company out of New Jersey. They make great products. I use them every day. They send me free stuff to try out and then give them feedback, and it's great. And so I said, sure, no problem. I'm thinking it's going to be some pissant little commercial in some small local uh, market. Yesterday was screen-free Sunday for me. My phone is, I, I see it out of the corner of my eye, blowing up. I'm like, why is my phone blowing up? And it's not all Tom Heineberg. Like, what's going on? And it's Twitter. And I'm like, what? And I look at one of them. Z-Dog was in the Super Bowl commercial. 
And of course, I asked my wife, can I violate Screen Free Sunday? Because apparently I'm in a Super Bowl commercial. <laughs> and she's like, oh, this I got to see. We pull it up and it's just, it's like a low budget commercial. <laughs> and it, you see me shaving my head in my ghetto ass bathroom, right? And, and there's tons of people going, Z-Dog, was that you in the Super Bowl? And I'm like, uh, so my wife's first comment is, so you're telling me 100 million people saw our shitty ass bathroom. <laughs> and I'm like, you don't, you're not worried about my head? You're not worried about the fact that I'm like shaving with, a, with a, basically a glorified sp fidget spinner? And she's like, no, I'm concerned that people are going to make fun of our bathroom. I'm like, that's already been done, okay? So we were in the Super Bowl. I would really like to know if you saw, if like for you know anybody who saw it, what what region are you located in? Because I yeah. didn't I didn't see it at all out here on the West Coast. I don't think it was out on the West Coast. Sounds like it was Midwest. Uh, some Canadians saw it. Huh? Yeah, I know. I know. And uh, I like that they didn't identify you either. That you're you're basically just bald, bald guy, guy number, number two. two. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like okay, there's first bald guy is this like really ripped black dude, and then this weird Persian looking guy yeah. looks like he escaped from the set of three hundred. <laughs> But didn't do his push-ups that day. That was me. Um, it's it's kind of ridiculous. See, Kathleen Raposo says, I'll be looking up that commercial now. Yeah, I, I, I posted it on Vader's channel. I'm sorry, Vader posted it on his channel. We should post we it. Not one in the we same. should post it on the main channel because it's kind of funny. I know. This is kind of but funny. I'm like, that do you're I want to give them all this free advertising when I never got paid for this commercial? But then I was like, you know what? I really like their product. <laughs> Like, I use it every day. Like, you know, it's like, what are you going to do? Uh, I like everybody was telling you, like, uh, people were messaging you, right? And they were like, you should have gotten paid, bro. You should have gotten paid so much. It's like, it's a regional Super Bowl commercial, people. My mother. <laughs> so, of course, of course, my parents don't watch sports. Yeah. You know, Indian. Regional commercials don't cost $5 million. I'm just, just like, but, letting but, everybody know. So, my mom apparently sends the clip. So I sent the clip to my parents because I'm like, okay, I'm always trying to impress my Indian parents. Maybe they'll finally think I've arrived. I've been in a Super Bowl commercial unknowingly and unpaidingly. They're like, hey, listen, your mother says you are in a bowl of soup. What's the story? I'm <laughs> <laughs> um, like, it's not quite like that, Pops, but pretty close, actually, because this bowl of soup. And so I, I send them the clip and my dad's like, did you get the first question? Did you get paid? And I'm like, no, no, they're cool. You know, I just let them use my image. And then my mom texts me, which she never does, and says, Subin, I sent the clip to your brother, and he told me that these commercials get paid like $6 million to go on the Super Bowl, and you better get paid. And I'm like, but I was in a Super Bowl commercial. That's the point. Like, isn't that cool? Like, like 100 million people saw my bald head shaving in my crappy bathroom. You better get paid. That was it. That's how Indian parents are. It's always about... What is the bottom line? Are you going to be a doctor or an engineer? Or are you going to get paid? I just put the uh, link in the comments for anybody who, oh, nice. who cares to watch it. Nice. It's, it's pretty funny. Though. I'll like hit it. like so it goes to the top. Um, it, <laughs> speaking of, they, don't they want you to be in a, aren't you supposed to be in like a Time's Up sexual harassment commercial oh, yeah. as well? Yeah. So so um, actually we can't, we can't talk too much about that uh, because okay. it's secret. But I will say this. There are many people on Twitter who uh, are have part of this movement uh, on Twitter to recognize that sexual harassment against women is a real thing in healthcare, and it's actually probably worse than some other sectors of the of the economy, and it needs to be talked about and addressed. And you know how I feel about this stuff. I'm like, yeah, I see it all the time, yeah. and I think we should address it. However, I'm always nervous about like running a big um, uh, kind of a witch hunt and, and, and falsely accusing people, but I think we have to make sure that we understand that this is a big deal. So they wanted me, and, and this is, again, on the download, but we're working on that piece. But so you and I were talking about this because you know, I trained in a time when it was still 
is so flagrant. Like, I mean, creepily flagrant, where yeah. I would be there, there'd be a, 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 some female residents, and the creepy attending would would just flagrantly comment on things like, oh, that's a really nice sweater you're wearing today. It makes you look good. You should wear sweaters like that more often. On rounds. Yeah. Okay? And I'm sitting there going, you know, and I'm, I'm reasonably woke for a you know, 1999 graduate of medical school. I went to UCSF. I was surrounded by the liberal ideal, almost too much so to where I actually reacted. And I'm like, I'm done with you people, all right? You guys are crazy because this has gone too far, all right? But at the same time, I, I realized I could recognize this and go, wow, this is really creepy. Yeah. And you and I were talking like, well, is it worse in medicine than it is uh, in other sectors of the economy? Well, see, I would suspect that it's worse in fields where there's a lot of delayed gratification, mm. uh, like, you know, tech, you have to, you know, spend so many hours behind your computer learning to code, and, you know, medicine, you have to spend so many hours, uh, you know, studying with your nose in a book, basically. And so I don't know that a lot of the nation's doctor, like, you know, I think probably a lot of doctors were nerds when they were in high school and in college, and they may not, you know, so you get power, but you may not have the... Uh, Wisdom. There's a big difference between like when when drunk Tom Heinemann was 15 years old, and I was like, I'm gonna grab at those boobs and see if this works, you know, <laughs> and a 40 year old man doing that. By the way, I got slapped, uh, and I deserved it, but it was a valuable lesson that I learned. You know, your frontal lobe is just barely forming. You know? Dude, when you're yeah, when you're 15, you're just like, I don't know. I'm just gonna go from zero to boob grab and go. You know? <laughs> <laughs> okay, that wasn't the right way. Right, exactly. No, no I, think, I think you're on to something because I think getting power late in life and power over, uh, over vulnerable people. So these are students, these are residents, these are colleagues. And, and this is a spectrum, right? So there's right. Sex, straight sexual harassment where, you know, it's straight me too. Like, okay, that just isn't so obvious or even less obvious, but they're feeling it, right? Or there's the actual gender discrimination where, you know, you're not getting promoted, you're, you're being stereotyped, you're expected to be, behave very relationally and say yes to all the shifts and all that. Well, this is interesting because this gets into a very, um, it, it's a broader conversation, which is the subtlety of racism and sexism uh, nowadays in the modern world. Like, it can be very hard to tell. To tease out. What's going on. And, it, and if it's not explicit, how do you call somebody out for it or how do you change it? Right, right. right. And, and this, this gets to the issue of, well, then are we actually bleeding into situations where it may not be? That's the thing, too, because you have to now know, you have to guess what's in somebody's heart in yeah. order to uh, accuse them of these accusations. And I guess that's the, the uncomfortableness, I think, of this, uh, of the sort of time's up peace right or is, me too me too is like this. yeah this is very valid yeah and but then when does it push too far and it gets into all those issues around uh assuming someone is evil mm -hmm. by the nature so in other words these fallacious forms of cognitive bias where we say you know what i know tom heineberg he's a white male he's six foot three something uh he's probably a sexist he's probably a harasser so i'm gonna believe when someone feels very uncomfortable that he intended it with discomfort intended to harass this person etc now there are people who are just uneducated they don't realize what they're doing is straight harassment because yeah. they're just they have some screws loose so they haven't been educated but then there are people who really just don't mean badly they maybe aren't very sophisticated in how they talk they're not very PC and stuff happens and then it's interpreted because people are very hypersensitive. Yeah. And we talked about the fragility that we're instilling in children now where they just, you know, words really do damage them. Can I tell you, I actually do think about this all the time when I uh, interact in the world that I am going to be seen as like, oh, you're a white male from an upper middle class background. Yeah. 
And, you know, you're probably, like you said, you're probably a piece of shit because of X, Y, or Z. So, you know, sometimes I'll go out of my way to dispel those notions, but sometimes I'll play into them because it's like, fuck you, you know? (laughs) Exactly. There there was this guy, um, he used to play at um, Duke. His name was Christian Leitner, and he was just a killer basketball player. And, you know, he beat Kentucky in in the final moments, I think twice uh, in the NCAA finals and to this day people still wear shirts that say i hate christian leitner what did christian leitner really do nothing he put a ball through a hoop but he's a big purebred white guy mm. who he just looks like you want to hate him you Pe- know people take a shit on christopher pratt for the same reason. same yeah. same thing yeah, yeah same thing yeah you just some of these people you're just like yeah i know who it's it's the maga hat kid you know the yeah, kid, yeah, yeah, the yeah, kid yeah. who was wearing the maga hat yeah everybody and journalists would admit this some of them it would admitted this which which is they saw that kid and he reminded them of every kid that picked on them yeah. in high school right yeah, yeah. and so you, he had a punchable face is what reza aslan said on twitter oh reza aslan right the he said have you ever seen a more punchable face it's oh. like this is a child dude yeah yeah dude you know okay this this really again to use the term inappropriately i got yelled at by some very liberal person on Twitter for using the word triggered. Yeah. You don't understand. This is about PTSD. Yeah, I understand that the treatment for PTSD is, is not to avoid triggers. Um, so all that being said, um, the the idea that we judge people based on a premise of good and evil, they're either all good or all evil, that's a fallacious kind of thinking. Right. And, and the idea that then we'll go out with an outrage culture and try to shame them. And th- that's what makes me uncomfortable a little bit about this kind of thing. But what doesn't make me uncomfortable is doing a video clip for them saying, listen, I'm a doctor, I'm a man, I've seen this shit happen a lot. It's absolutely unacceptable. Like yeah. we cannot treat our colleagues this way. We can't treat our patients this way. We need to be better. At the same time, I don't want to trigger a witch hunt. I don't want to make people feel even more fragile than they are. Think about what we're building. We're building a world in which our leaders and our uh, politicians are going to be people who curated their social media since the age of nine. Yeah. And what I want to ask is, do we really want to reward those people <laughs> for being these little sycophants yeah. since they were nine years old? Yeah. No, it's true. It, you want to punch them. They have punchable faces. Exactly. Yeah. Well, <laughs> actually relating to that. So here's an interesting, and it's a little bit of a subject change, but I think it was interesting because it triggered me. There's an article came out in the Atlantic about PE, physical education, mm. and, and and how it is actually now, there are some studies in Texas showing it's associated with worse outcomes for children, more delinquency, worse academic uh, stuff. And whereas the theory was, well, we get them exercise and forced exercise, it'll be better for them. Do you know the theory about why it's actually detrimental? I would imagine that uh, kids want to skip PE for various reasons. Why? Why? Do you have a they, sense? They wouldn't want to be uh, smelly around the opposite sex might be one. That's a thought. Or uh, they don't want to be embarrassed in front of classmates. I don't know. Ah, so you nailed it with the second one. So, And you may not have experienced this, Tom Heineber, as a strapping lad who's good at sports. But when I was in uh, uh, middle school and high school, PE was mandatory until yeah. senior year. You could waive it if you took another class, like you did outpatient PE, where you like just documented free free play, and I skateboarded, so I'm like, that's my PE, yeah. and I had to have my parents sign off on it, and this and that. So, the reason is a lot of kids get severely bullied in PE, and that's because you have this 
first of all, you have a dipshit PE instructor probably who's like some steakhead who couldn't teach anything else. And again, I'm stereotyping. And again, I get a little triggered, about it. but that's how mine were. And they would just line you up. You have to pick people for teams. You know, you're in a locker room. You're forced to change with other kids. Maybe you're smaller. I don't know. Maybe <laughs> your penis is much bigger than theirs. I don't know. And you're there in the thing. And, and it's this humiliating sort of shame fest and you're yeah. just dreading it all day, and when it's done, you're like, thank God that's done. And so for me, it was actually the one part of school that I truly hated. And so I would have like considered skipping days when they were doing a certain thing in PE that I didn't wanna do. And there were only a few things I was good at in those days, and those were the individual things like, you know, long jump and things like that, I was strangely good at. But any team sports, I just, I, I hate playing with others. I just don't like it. And so, so, this idea that then these kids get bullied and they're actually willing to avoid school was interesting because my senior year I didn't have PE and it was the best year of my life to date. This is interesting because uh, while I'm opposite, like because I was I was the MVP of the soccer team and I yeah. used to back clean up in baseball and you know I was a receiver in football. I um, I didn't like PE either. Mm. What and was your reason? Probably just for the the reason that. Uh, I didn't like what they would make us do in PE. Like yeah. PE sucks. I think PE sucks for everybody. Kind yeah, of. yeah, yeah, yeah. Like remember when you'd have to do the uh, the presidential fitness test? Yeah, and you'd be like, wait, the president wants me to run a mile. This was Bill Clinton was president when I was in elementary school, and I'd be like, I don't want to run a mile because Bill Clinton said so. <laughs> <laughs> this is how I would think in my head. You were a little conservative asshole even back then. You're like, no, no, Bill Clinton ain't telling me what. Bill Clinton do. can suck it. Wait, who's president now? George W. <laughs> All right, I'll run your mile. We had a mock election in my school in Arkansas, and Bob Dole won because you know of course of course yeah, yeah. but he won uh, in our mock election i'm too. trying to think why i didn't like pe i didn't like the um you know they, they put in a uh, group showers right yeah we but, had that but since the internet like we all were not that down to shower with each other yeah. we were like that's gay i don't want to be you know so none <laughs> not of that what, there's anything wrong with that well two naked dudes next to each other i mean that's literally gay i don't know that it's wrong to say that's gay when that's actually well, gay. That, that, that's how it was middle school or high mi school? middle school uh -huh. yeah and yeah. so we <laughs> none of us used the shower yeah so they had to give a uh, extra credit for us to actually use the shower and w there was one kid who went and used it and we would bully that kid because uh, we were yeah. like why are you being a weirdo for extra credit? Yeah. You love credit so much you're willing to be naked in front of other dudes? You, you, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know the, the, that's funny because that, it reminds me, the shower was a trigger for the only fight I've really ever gotten into where blows were thrown. Yeah. And it was, it was eighth grade and they made a shower because we'd gone swimming. So I showered in my swim trunks because I'm like, <laughs> I'm not showering naked next to another dude. That's how it felt. No, Same when you're thing. in middle school too. Yeah, middle 100%, school. Yeah. Middle school. You're like, yeah. dude, this is just wrong. Right. And I remember the anxiety going into PE, even in seventh grade, because they were like, you need to buy a jock strap and you need to do this. I'm like, why? Why do I need this? This sounds horrible. And the gym smells like shit and there's all these other guys and they're all bullies. Like every yeah. single one in my mind. Cause I'm, you know, I'm just like this nerdy kid. So, so this thing happened where I'm in the shower, I'm showering off and this bigger kid, I think he was uh, you know, one of the, I don't know if he's a baseball player or what, but he comes in and he's like, that's my stall, get out. And I'm like, dude, I'm almost done. Like, just let me rinse off. Yeah. And he's like, no. So he pushes me. And for some reason I'm like, no, this aggression will not stand, man. Like, <laughs> fuck this. So I run up at him and I push him back and he slides back. Then he runs full force, pushes me like on the legs. I, I slip out from under and land right on my face. And you see this tooth? It's still to this day fucked up because it shattered and they had to like put a bond on it. And it's all fucking snaggly yeah. to this day. So 
fuck PE. <laughs> That's what I say. But, but see, it's interesting. So the question is, what's the alternative? And I think the data seems to suggest it's free recess time interspersed throughout the day, forcing kids to sit still in an environment. How did you like that sitting in class all day? I think it's really, um, it's, it's, it, I think it seems fine for little girls, but that it's not the way little boys want to learn or be taught. I'm know? not even sure little girls like it. My kids complain all the time when they don't get really? recess. Yeah. I always thought, my sense was always that the girls were doing better with it than the boys were. They might have a, we had a really hard time, you know, sitting still. They might have a better way of coping with it, mm -hmm. more patience and that kind of thing. I, I don't know, but I'd say this, like they all hate, they all ultimately don't like it. And so, the data seems to suggest that if you start breaking up the day with in, individual free recess, yeah. then then, then you can actually improve learning. Yeah. Yeah. I, well, it's interesting. I, you know, my when I was younger, my um, teachers wanted to put me on Ritalin, and uh, mm. my parents, uh, to their credit, said that we're not putting him on Ritalin. So they had me tested because you would have snorted it as yeah, a totally, drug of abuse. 100%. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so they had me tested, and uh, it turns out, you know, I was I was high IQ, and I was just really bored in class, and so I just yeah. sit out the window and, and daydream. And I was like what Blair Duddy talked about on our show, like the kind of kid who knew I knew there was going to be ten reps, so I just, just straight zone out for yeah. reps one through nine, and then yeah. pick it up at that. What were we, what were we talking about? <laughs> you know, it's funny. I watched I watched Z do the same thing. Like uh, sometimes you'll see Z with a guest, and you can tell he's zoned out a little bit like you guys will see it now that you've seen you've, you've heard me say you'll this. notice it and then he'll pick it up and be like so anyway oh yeah the thing about a hundred percent yeah we do this medicine all the time here's why <laughs> <laughs> so sj and others are uh, getting on your case tom for uh singling out women for being able to not tolerate not having pe they're like no we we hate it too we hate sitting in class too it's terrible so maybe they hide it well maybe yeah. i don't know yeah or maybe they don't maybe you just had a good class uh, you know, I, there's some there's data somewhere that says that little girls do better uh, at sitting and listening. Really? Yeah, there is. I'll have to find we'll it we'll for everybody. But we were Rogan, I didn't just make it up out of, out of uh, thin yeah. air. If we were Rogan, we'd have uh, that guy pull the, the stats right now on Google. He'd Logan, Google pull search. that shit up. <laughs> yeah, Logan, Logan's like, I have no fun. <laughs> yeah, it'll only prove Tom wrong. Exactly. <laughs> um, well, let's, let's talk about the education system now that we're on this. Do you like the education system, the way it's set up? No, it's horrible. Uh, you watching your children go through it? Well, I'll say the school they go to is actually pretty good, but mm -hmm. I feel like uh, they don't have enough recess time. They, the, the things that they don't like are the too much sitting still and the too yeah. much. Can I ask you this question? Yeah. Why the fuck did we waste so much time on penmanship? <laughs> yeah, especially for me. My penmanship is garbage. Yeah. That was the one thing, too. I, I have an answer to this question, by oh, the way. Tell me, tell why, me. Do you, why do you think we do waste so much well, time Well, I'll tell in you American why our, our kids' school makes them learn cursive still. And the reason is, is they want to teach them this kind of attention to detail and the discipline of it. And that's why they do it. But what's the... I think that uh, that's bullshit. And they have mm. no idea why they do that to the children. They just do it because it's been going on for a long time. Yeah. The, the reason why penmanship was Momentum. so important back in the day is because we're based on uh, the British educational model. And how did you run the British uh, Empire? You, you ran it on pieces of paper. So everybody had to be able to read everything. It had to be legible. If you were mm. going to send pieces of paper across the globe, you had to be able to read it when it got wherever it was going. Mm. So there was a lot of time and attention paid to penmanship. And mm. Ever since we've had typewriters and computers, like it doesn't matter at all. It's a it's a zero irrelevant. Yeah, yeah. it's one hundred percent irrelevant. It's interesting. So Sir Ken Robinson, who did one of the top viewed TED talks of all time, uh, is a education expert in Great Britain. I think I stole that uh, anecdote from that TED talk. Oh, actually. you might have. Yeah. yeah. So he, his TED talk is legendary because he basically says the way we do education is horseshit. We don't value creativity. We mm -hmm. don't give individuals their due, and and so on. And we try to put a one size fits all low 
lowest common denominator on people. Well, you know, even in college, like college was amazing for, for me because in the film program, the way you do things like, uh, you know, me and Logan met in the film program. We started making uh, making movies together is you watch a movie in class or you get a brief lecture and then they're like, all right. Go out and make films. And so we would just go out and mm. figure shit out. And then you'd bring back in your project and they would just rip it to shreds. Yeah. And they would be like, this sucks. And here's why. And you'd be like, ah, oh, God damn it. Mm-hmm. You know, but uh, it's like morbidity, mortality rounds. Yeah, it was, yeah. you know, I it, it forced you to be autodidactic because you got to actually learn on your own while you were doing things. And, and you know, the cream rose to the top in that sort yeah. of system. And uh, certain people sunk because they weren't very good at filmmaking in general right or they weren't good with free time right know, they weren't self-directed learning yeah yeah no i, I and I, I think so i actually had the pleasure of watching ken robinson speak at a zappos all hands meeting and afterwards he was at this you know milling around and i went and talked to him and uh we ended up talking for like an hour and a half because we were both like okay yes how do we fix education because medical education is bad too right and so is nursing education and so is all i mean across the health professions we really need to rethink how we do this there are ideas and there's great uh sort of uh, the sprouts the seeds of what i think will be a great educational system but we're, it's going to take a forever to get there there's this common trope that you hear people say all the time which is uh you know i think we should pay uh school teachers one hundred and fifty thousand dollars a year that's how i personally feel about it and it's like one of these things that people bandy about and it sounds great when you say it. You seem like you're a really progressive person who really cares. Um, if we're going to pay school teachers one hundred fifty thousand dollars, it should be a lot harder to become a school teacher. Yeah, much harder. Yeah, you you can't just walk in. You, you need to be trained. You need to be like in education. You need to have and and you also need to be really good with people. You need to meet some kind of screen because you know you are. It's it's like being a psychotherapist or a surgeon. You're going to make a cut whether it's mentally or physically yeah. in this person's life. I still remember the best teachers that were were in my schools and and they were transformative in how I am today. I'm still behave in the world in a certain way because of those teachers. Yeah. So why would we let just anybody go and do now it's not that we do that it's just that you know again it's tough because the the most high paying jobs are not in education so the 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 really driven type a's tend to go on into those things it's it's the same with you know in medicine that the the super driven people go in the specialties and the super driven people who care about primary care do primary care but then you have a bunch of people who are like well i just i'm not i can't get board scores high enough so i'm going to do you know, whatever. And then you end up with like not great primary care. Yeah. No, hundred percent. And so what happens? The whole system, you know, falters. We ought to make primary care just like teaching the apex. Well, I, you know, it's an interesting thing, right? Because if you were going to pay teachers $150,000 a year, why would you pay them $150,000 a year to teach common core or whatever the fuck they yeah, have to yeah, teach? Like, right. why are you giving them a curriculum to teach when any, anybody can teach that curriculum? You should allow teachers to create their own their curriculum. Own curriculum yeah. And then if we did that, we might be able to see new things emerge upwards. And mm-hmm. guess what? Then we would be able to, you know, th- this is the whole thing about constrained versus unconstrained visions of the world, right? Like, you know, there's this, there are these two approaches going on right now, which is we should top down architect everything that goes on. And then there's an emergent phenomenon, which is like, let's let it be unconstrained and see what emerges upwards. The problem with this is that, you know, people are not um, interested in allowing emergent phenomenon because, you know, a lot of emergent things are terrible, Mm. but a lot of emergent things are great. Like it's, you know, in capitalism, that's an unconstrained phenomenon for the most part things emerge upwards some of them are terrible like bp destroying the gulf that's terrible Mm -hmm. right some of them are amazing the iphone is amazing right Mm -hmm. whatever tesla is doing is amazing so you have to allow 
positive and negative things at the same time. And I, I think you see this all over the place, like Facebook constrained top down version of the world, Twitter, they're trying to be more emergent and let things percolate upwards, like the hashtag or the at symbol on Twitter. Those are user generated ideas. Mm-hmm. Whereas Facebook is just like, here, I'm going to tell you how it is. You know, mm-hmm. I'm going to spoon feed it to you. Yeah. And we see this across culture. Medicine is a top down very top sort down. of system. Very top down. You know? And the emergent, if you allow the emergent. So I, I'm a believer in what you're saying with uh, the caveat of you need some um, guidance to prevent A, chaos, B, abuse. So you need some degree of systemic uh, influence, but... I agree. You can't let it be 100% emergent. Yeah, it will be just chaos. Like pure libertarianism is insane. It should be largely emergent. Yeah, I agree with you. I'm with you. Like 90%. I think we agree 100% on that. Even from a little bit uh, uh, center-right and center-left, we both agree on that. Because the emergent is the will of the people, Mm -hmm. in a way, right? It's it's saying the best and the brightest in whatever their little hierarchy is are showing us something and if it's good for us we'll take it well i you know if if you and like let's say you and a bunch of other thought leaders in medicine got together and you wanted to architect a system i'm sure that it would be an amazing system and you guys would get it largely right but there would be so many so much room in that system for unknown unknowns yeah. you know black swans mm-hmm. that it would be a, a pointless exercise to even create that system in the first place right yeah, which is why these top-down solutions don't work, which is why right. even in this show, our whole thing is people will message me, what's your solution for healthcare? I need to get behind something. And it's like, get behind what you think locally is your solution. You know what to do. Every time I go do a talk, man, people come up afterwards. Tomorrow I'm speaking at the Healthcare Administrators Association. And what they do is they're the people who design the benefits plans for self-funded small and medium-sized businesses. So they're putting together, they're competing with insurance to put together self-insurance where the businesses pay their own insurance and they set up plans. And they're looking at what, what we did at Turntable, direct primary care and saying, maybe we can prevent disease. Maybe we can empower patients and and caregivers to work together. So this is a local phenomenon that percolates up because frontline healthcare professionals understand how to – they're like, this is what I would do if I was doing it. Well, then go do it. The problem is when you have a top-down thing saying, well, you won't get paid. And that's what it is now. That's the same thing. Like direct primary care is the same thing I'm talking about, uh, about letting educators create their own curriculum. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? You're yeah. creating your own system. It's it's the definition of think uh, global, act local when you when you do something like that. But but okay okay, let me ask you a question. So the educators create their own curricula. Yeah. How are they selecting? How are you selecting for the educators that do a good job? So is there competition for schools? Right. This is interesting. So I mean, it's very hard with a public education system to suss this all out. It's probably something like the voucher system. Um, although I don't know, I don't know enough about. I don't know that, enough about yeah. it to say if it's going to work. I don't know yeah. enough about education to say that that's that, going to work. I'm in the same but boat. in in my in my mind, the free market is very good at allocating capital in the long term, not necessarily in the short to medium term. Right. This is why it can be very hard to create change in these environments because you have to allow the market to work out the kinks. There are going to be issues. Well, like if you would have shut down the American stock market in 1929, you'd have destroyed a tremendous amount of growth. Right. Right. And in 29, it was dog shit. The American stock market was full of scams and yeah. it was uh, like what we see in like the cryptocurrency space today. Yeah. It was terrible. But, you know, the market found out all those scams, exposed everybody, and then things got cleaned up. Yeah, so here's the... I think, With regulation, there was help from right, regulation. Right, right, right. Yeah. So coming from a little bit 
center left, I'll say, so the, the difficulty with schools competing is that the disenfranchised who are disenfranchised now will get even more disenfranchised when it turns out like, oh, okay, the white affluent suburban neighborhood is all going to end up sending their kids to this one school where they know this stuff is good. And the, the poor kids will get poorer by having worse education, which already happens to some degree. Right. 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 So you have to figure out a way to- There's some sort that. of incentive there with the voucher system of, you know, everybody getting the same voucher, no matter what their property taxes are, like, or- mm. Or, you know, something. I'd have to look deeper into the system and how to architect it. But mm. it's creating emergent phenomenon is is less about regulation and, and more about incentives. It's really about incentivizing thing, people to do the correct thing. So where do unions fit in this conception? Teachers union. I tend to be anti-union in general mm -hmm. on almost everything. Mm -hmm. But that said, we live in a modern context where uh, people have never really... You know, it used to be you really had a need for unions. Mm -hmm. You really did. Now, I, I don't know. Depends on the you field, know? maybe, on the... Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I'm also torn on this. And I'm torn. If people, know, if workers want to unionize, then I'm okay with it. Right. But if the union is being forced on them, then I'm, I'm right. not okay with it. Right. That. You know, because I get a lot of messages about nursing unions going on strike, and yeah. can I support them, and this and that. And my general party line is, I support nurses. I support frontline healthcare professionals. I cannot take sides in a labor union to see because I don't have all the information and it's very, very tough for me to do that. Mm -hmm. uh, I think it's asking a little too much of our platform. That's not what we do. We're saying, look, on local level, you figure it out. What I'm against are top-down edicts. Yeah. Uh, so I'm, I'm for more of a, a bottom-up with, with some regulation that makes sure that people aren't getting taken advantage of. How do you feel about the minimum wage? This is tough, man, because the data is really mixed on this. And the idea that you know, as a small business owner, uh, a minimum wage is a is a it's a it's a double edged sword. You want you're gonna pay you're gonna try to pay them anyways as best as you can because you want them to stay with you in yeah. a perfectly fluid labor market. You're gonna pay based on what they're valued. Where you start putting constraints on, yeah, I get it because you know otherwise a paramedic paramedic will get paid five dollars an hour yeah. instead of the ten they get. Have you ever picked up a day laborer at uh, Home Depot? You know what? I've been tempted, but I never have. Uh, so I have to work uh, on some projects around the home and things. Uh, yeah. How much do you think those guys get paid? I have no idea. If you had to guess, uh, ten bucks an hour or something. No, they make one hundred and fifty dollars a day. That's the market rate for what they do. Like. 150 a day. So what's yeah. that? So per hour? It's like work? 20, 20. It's, oh, it's 20 an hour. So it's good about. money. Good money yeah. in that context. Well, that's what the market uh, demands, mm. that they get paid. And so, you know, those guys are not willing to work for peanuts. Mm. They don't want to go break their back for peanuts. Mm. If In general, I, I think people that, that see them on the corner there think they're being exploited. Right. And they're they're largely not, I would imagine. Mm. Because I, every time I've... I've Pick some up to work on a project or whatever. It's been about 150 bucks. Do, a do day. they set the price or do you? Yeah, that's how much they want. They'll just say this uh -huh. is what it is. I see. Well, this is interesting. I'd have to learn more about that the Home Depot phenomenon, as we might call it. Yeah, you know, and these are larger issues around healthcare, right? We people wonder why are we talking about these esoteric economic issues. I, it's because it directly impacts. Because <laughs> healthcare is an esoteric, is an esoteric economic, economic, economic issue. issue. Yeah. I mean, the idea of putting some skin in the game for patients and professionals, the idea of uh, emergent phenomenon, the idea of uh, best practices being selected locally, mm -hmm. I think that's key. You know, I, I always bristle when people want to turn America into uh, Denmark or, uh, you know, uh, the Netherlands because. Norway, whatever, wherever you want socialized medicine, Canada, because I, I just think it kills uh, emergent phenomena, and I'm not down with it. I'm, I'm, a, I'm actually 
deeply with you on this with a caveat, and you maybe actually agree with me on this, is that healthcare is one of those things where it is, it's not, it's not a right. Right. So what I mean by that is not that we shouldn't take care of our fellow human beings. It's that it's not an inalienable human right. In other words, you don't have the right to my labor. Right. You don't have the right to my resources as the caregiver. Right. However, as a society, we can ask ourselves, what kind of society are we that we would let someone go medically bankrupt or that we would allow uh, you know, a homeless guy not to get care because the ER turns him away, which doesn't happen, but let's just say that that happened. So what we can say is, well, there can be a government and a collective commons approach, but it has to be mitigated with allowing emergence, competition, and personal accountability. And you can do that. You can actually do that. You can have a catastrophic Medicare for all that's catastrophic with a big deductible that can be subsidized by your employer or by uh, the government if you're very poor or disenfranchised. But at the same time, it's going to require you to manage a personal savings account and use that money for primary care. And if you don't, well, then maybe there is a cost uh, ding for you. Maybe you will have to pay out of your pocket. Maybe you won't get your medicine, medicines covered. Because otherwise, it just becomes, like you said, there's no innovation yeah. or there's less innovation, right? And Because even in Canada and stuff, they, they have innovation. It's just a different type of deal. Rich Canadians come here to get procedures done. Well, because they want it right away. Right. Yeah, and, and it's different. They, they're optimized. And it's like Peter Atia said on the show. You know, it just, everybody optimizes for what they want. So yeah. the Canadians optimize. Optim yeah. Optimizing is just incentives, yeah, right? All we're incentive. talking is incentives and what are the incentives. That's right. The current system has broken incentives and that's all we do all day long is talk about how broken those incentives right. are because the incentive is for you to stare at the computer screen and bill bill and not to actually treat the patient right? line items line items so episodic transactions not relationships right we all know humans are relational creatures we all know that in uh, a turntable what we showed was the outcomes were better when you treat people in a relationship as opposed to this episodic transaction mm -hmm. and you use technology then that actually enables that relationship instead of creates a barrier and that was our local population now maybe it's different for the ultra rich maybe what they want is the convenience of like a one medical or a forward where they come in and they 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 get you know high tech care on demand maybe that's what they want that's great so you find what you need now see Canada's whole system is optimized you know Peter was saying to controlling costs and providing you know uh, uh, basic care for everybody at a decent quality but if you want a hip replacement electively you're going to wait because it's not optimized for that so then people will cross the border and get it done at personal cost right and this is and this is fine this is economics we sh it's not a I don't think we can judge people. We just say, well, that's what they elected. Now, what do we elect? We're a pretty heterogeneous group of multiple races, multiple socioeconomic class. What do we think? Maybe it's all local. Maybe the top-down governmental approach is the wrong answer for this. Maybe you know we should empower the states to make decisions locally. Now, the problem is then you have people crossing states to try to get different care. You know, It becomes a little uh, challenging, but... It's, I don't know. Man, it's so goddamn complicated. It's complicated. Isn't it? Wh yeah. Which is, you know, it further lends credence to the fact that you need to uh, put emphasis on emergent phenomena because mm. it's too, we're, we're pretty smart guys and we're sitting here talking about it, right? You're somebody who knows deeply, deeply the systems uh, involved in healthcare and how you could make them better. You don't have any answers. I, I, you know I, have, I, mean? I have ideas, but I don't have a single answer because you could, well, you there couldn't isn't definitively say yeah, it. There's no single answer. And it's interesting because the comments are interesting. So Matt Stahl says, hey, single payer is a way to go. Stop trying to nuance it. And Lauren Day Kent says, I like the German model as well. So you see, everybody has their thing. Right. Now, the, the part of the difficulty is we don't, you know, as a systemic problem, we incentivize specialization. We don't specialize 
incentivize prevention primary care. Yeah. Fix that first. Before you talk about how you're going to pay for it, what are you paying for? That's the one thing I'll say. If you're paying for a shit system and you get Medicare for all, you've just codified a shit system forever because yeah. you know changing government takes forever. And there's going to be lobbyists. It's going to take mm-hmm. forever. So get that right, and then you'll find it's actually more affordable. And you may find clever ways to pay for it that aren't just – okay, here's a single insurance that's monolithic that covers things based on how well they're specially lobbies for it. Yeah. And that's what we have now with Medicare. Yeah, man. I, you know, socialized medicine is, it's such a large entitlement. And people will people take issue with that that word entitlement, but it's an entitlement. And it's such a large one that, you know, it would, I just, I think it would drag America down it, it, with it. it well, so one thing I want to say is I think we reduce this argument to capitalism versus socialized medicine. It's actually, there's several steps before that. So, you know, socialized medicine is you own the hospital, the government owns the hospitals, owns the providers, owns everybody. And I use the word provider now because we would all be this com- yeah, there'd go- be, government there'd commodity. there'd be a go- government medical schools it, and the whole deal. Exactly. Yeah. English, the English system in the U.S., I think... What what most people are talking about is not that. They're talking about there needs to be a single payer where we get rid of the insurance companies and instead allow that. Now, see, my feeling I, th- is, I think that's the same difference. Nah, I don't, I don't see that. much difference between it. It's, it's, it's different because then you allow people to actually compete for that government money. Now, you may disagree with that, too. And actually, again, I th- I don't fully agree with that. I agree that we should have catastrophic insurance so people don't have Medicare bank you know bankruptcies for me- for medical stuff. But then we have to incentivize prevention, primary care, and people not developing diabetes, not developing heart disease, not developing stroke. How do you do that? You train a lot of good primary care docs. You forgive their loans. You make that the sexiest profession. You learn things from people that are doing it well in terms of how to do primary care and then allow people to specialize if they want. They can do their thing really well. And it's, again, an emergent meritocracy. And then they compete for patients' money because now these patients have these health, uh, these personal savings accounts that they, they have to spend for health care. Well, am I going to spend it on the shitty doc that you know, just gives me Ativan. Well, maybe, sure. And then what happens is now you're sick in the hospital because he's, he's not a great doc and you're spending all that deductible out of your pocket. So there's punishment for, there's, there's economic punishment for, for not choosing wisely. Yeah. Yeah. Man. It's tough. It's so fucking it's complicated. Tough, yeah. yeah. Every time we start to talk about it, it hurts my brain. Yeah, it does, right? <laughs> it's, it's interesting because Lisa Roman says, bullshit, our healthcare system is capitalism. It is absolutely not, Lisa. Our healthcare system is one of the most communistic, socialistic pieces of shit that the world has ever encountered. What is Medicare? It is a rule by government fiat to determine what prices are that's lobbied by a constituency of specialty organizations. So the orthopedic surgeon specialty organization will say, I think we should be paid this much for uh, for uh, hip procedures. And they take them out to golf and they do this. And, and it's, a, it's a fiat committee. Yeah. And Medicare sets the general price point for all the commercial insurance. We already have a nearly communist sort of government-run, price-fixed, monopolistic piece of shit. Yeah. What we need to do is say, well, it's not how do we get government out of it because that's not going to happen. It's how do we make government smart and make the private sector incentivized not to do things to people instead of for them. So so interesting, man. I'm going to explain for people who didn't pick up maybe on the word you were using, but fiat, which Z was just saying, literally means by decree. By decree. Which is exactly what we've been talking about this entire time, which is the top-down system. Mm. You know, we decree it, so therefore it is so, Mm. right? Like... And the government thinks they can just print more money, which, you know, fiat currency, it's mm. the same thing. Oh, the government just says this is what the currency is. They can just yeah. print more and they can pay for whatever they want. Mm. But 
what are the externalities of that? Like, where are we actually, wh where, where are you taking that money from? Cause you're taking it from somewhere. Yeah. Oftentimes you're taking it uh, in the form of inflation, which mm -hmm. is a tax on the poor, right. basically. Yeah. Because, you know, as the rich, as inflation uh, increases, the rich pile into assets, those assets get uh, more expensive. Inflated. And then the poor are priced out of asset. This is why the poor can't own homes. In, in, in the San Francisco Bay Area. Right. 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 Price inflation. Yeah. yeah. And so, I mean, these are unintended consequences of top-down architecture. Right. And uh, I think that they can be fixed if, if we just go to a more emergent system. Yeah. You know? I think we're actually going to head there if we don't destroy ourselves in the process. Right. You think there's going to be violence on the way, though? I think there's going to be a localized violence. Mm. Uh, so I, I don't see violence happening in mass, but I, I think that the, the reward for violence is going to go back up. Mm. Like, I don't agree with Steven Pinker necessarily. I think the world is going to start to feel more violent. Mm. And uh, we're going to see, you know, more attacks as people become more sovereign. It's going to start to feel more violent, but is it actually going to be measurably more violent, you think? Area under the curve. That's interesting. Yeah. I think uh, statistically it will decline, but it will feel more feel violent. More, yeah, yeah, yeah. I got you. I'm with you. Especially the way that we get our information now, which is social media, media, mm -hmm. echo chambers, et cetera. Yeah. How much did we do here, Tom Heinberg? We talked about a lot of things. 43 minutes. What do you think? I think we just fixed healthcare, but not we, really because really. we didn't come up with anything. Not a thing. <laughs> but a good discussion. That, guys, feedback to us. Tell us in the comments, do you like these kind of discussions? Because we're trying to behave like two rational adults <laughs> in between the dick jokes. And uh, this is a conversation I think, I think we need to have if we're going to solve these problems. It's not just it's black or it's white or it's this or it's that. Whether we're talking about Time's Up, Me Too, whether mm -hmm. we're talking about healthcare change, whether we're talking about the Super Bowl ad that I was inadvertently in. Uh, there's nuance. By the way, speaking of dick jokes, when you said PE, I immediately thought penile enhancement. <laughs> uh, you know? Because I've been on the forums, Z. I've been there too. And uh, <laughs> I've been there too, not for no reason, but just voyeuristic interest. And I realized the old school brick on a string is really still the solid answer. Listen, this is what you're going to get if you come to the podcast. You're going to get Dick joke bookmarks uh, with, you know, a creamy middle of system architecture. That's right. We call it the Z-Dog Oreo. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note, Logan, anything to say? Thumbnail, Z. Thumbnail. I need a thumbnail. Let's do a thumbnail. We're looking at the wide. You should fake shave like you were in the yeah, Super Bowl commercial. Go. Wait, but you're, you're in this thumbnail. Oh, too. what's up? Mm. 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 Hey. Hey, thumbnail. Hey, this is boring if you're on the podcast. Thumbnail, yeah. <laughs> I love you guys. We out. Bye, everybody.